Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One of the things I enjoy doing, especially this time of year, is to kind of monitor the conversation that's taking place nationally. And sometimes on the show, I'll just be you know someone that kind of points in in that direction and say hey here is what people outside the bubble of dog nation are saying about uga right now because you know for those of you and i've said this to our video audience before and actually it's just this couple moments ago for those of you who you know are tuned in to watch the show each and every day you are very zoomed in on georgia you know we do a show that's probably a little deeper than maybe like the average casual fan here we talk about uh you know we talk to fans that are pretty well aware of the entire roster pretty well aware of the you know how georgia fits into the rest of the landscape around college football the average person who watches reviews listens dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia that's a pretty plugged in tuned in person and sometimes you know being that zoomed in on something gives you a slightly different perspective and and so to kind of go outside that bubble and just kind of find out what national media is saying from time to time. I just think that's kind of an appropriate thing to do, just to kind of give you a little bit of a sense for what folks who are maybe not quite as vested into the topic are kind of saying, especially this time of year, because I've never made any apologies for the fact that I like what is kind of known as the talking season, you know, the time when you're making these wild predictions or when you're, you know, just kind of throwing out hypothetical scenarios. You know, one of the ways in which college football fans or just sports fans in general show their love for sports is about arguing about it or making you know, opinions about it. And, you know, I, I think this time of year is when we kind of lay the groundwork for the conversation we'll have throughout the fall. And I think all of that is really fun and especially fun in this era that we're in for georgia football because whatever national conversation you're going to have playoff contenders repeating national champions whatever else georgia because of its national championship status is going to be right in the middle of seemingly every conversation that could take place other than maybe one because if you look at the top odds to win the 2022 heisman trophy Right now, you don't really see a obvious Georgia name among that top list of favorites, even though Georgia is among the short list of favorites to be back in the playoff and maybe even win the national championship. Right now, that's not really reflected in the current Heisman odds. And there's a national podcast. It's run by CBS. It's called Cover Three. And you got Bud Elliott on there and uh, Danny Cannell's on there. There's a writer named Tom Fornelli on there. Chip Patterson's often on there. It's like, they call it Cover Three, but it's more than three people usually, which is kind of its own weird thing, I guess. But nonetheless, they were kind of having a conversation where they were drafting their Heisman picks for the upcoming year. In other words, you know, this is not my outright pick to win the award, but here are the guys I think could win it. And basically, they were trying to reflect their thoughts on the Heisman Trophy by selecting guys they thought might win. And so it's four guys. They each drafted four people. That's 16 names, not a Georgia name on the list. And that's kind of interesting, not unexpected, as we said before. Right now, Georgia does not really have a guy among the upcoming favorites to win this year's award. But near the end of this podcast, in discussing who they did pick and the fact that they did not take a georgia name for about a 45 seconds here the conversation got pretty interesting about kind of you know what that means and then one of the guys in the show a writer for cbs named tom fornelli did make a case for a couple of georgia guys now this is not interesting because of who says it because i don't know that tom fornelli with all due respect is necessarily moving the you know meter too much in terms of how the heisman trophy is going to be decided But I do think this reflects kind of a new age in which we live now where kind of weird, unorthodox stuff, I believe, is just more possible now than it has been in the past, where, you know, we have typically thought of Heisman Trophy as kind of just being a quarterback's award. And last year, you know, quarterback did win the award. But in recent years, we've seen examples of, hey, it's more than just quarterbacks who are going to get consideration here. So for a couple of minutes off the top of the program here today, let me give you this. You're going to hear Danny Cannell on the subject of a Georgia guy getting consideration for the Heisman. And then Tom Fornelli suggests us a couple of names that I think those of us inside the bubble of dog nation 
ought to give some credence to and ought to give some consideration for maybe a slightly unorthodox Heisman campaign reemerging again in 2022 after what happened for Jordan Davis a year ago. This from the CBS Cover 3 podcast. I don't know who to go with. The fact we don't have a Georgia player on yeah. here is probably a mistake. Whether take one of the running backs, take a backup quarterback, take Stetson Bennett. The two Georgia players I think are most likely are one Jalen Carter, who again, defensive player, don't expect to win, so I wasn't going to draft him. But Brock Bowers, just because the way Stetson Bennett plays, he prefers the middle of the field up the seams. That's where Brock Bowers lives. He's a good athlete. He's got good hands. We saw it last year. So I feel like Bowers could put up really good season but he's kind of a tight end and i don't know how much traction he's really going to get in the heisman race so that's time for an lacbs sports saying hey if i'm going to give georgia names for the heisman trophy i'm giving you jalen carter i'm giving you brock bowers and as he alludes to one guy's a defensive lineman one guy's a tight end how much traction can they really get but i don't take that as a rhetorical question i take that as a, a reasonable and fair question how much traction could a defensive lineman get? Well, at one point in time last year, our hashtag JD to NYC got quite a bit of traction. Uh, you know, CBS was talking about it on TV. ESPN was talking about it on TV. All the major websites were writing about it. Ultimately, it didn't happen. Davis did not end up being a Heisman finalist. But he got plenty of discussion for that award during the season. And another defensive guy, uh, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, did go on to become a Heisman finalist. So could Jalen Carter get some consideration for the award this year? Well, if Davis got as much as he did last year and Hutchinson got as much as he did, then why couldn't Jalen Carter potentially get some of that? Especially knowing that the reputation of the Georgia defense was raised so much last year because of how it performed in 2021. It's almost as if Jordan Davis walked so Jalen Carter could run. Now, I'm not predicting that Carter's necessary going to be a Heisman finalist but just given the fact that you did have the campaign for Davis last year that you had the emergence of Hutchinson last year if Jalen Carter would have a very big year for UGA I would say it's not impossible that he does get some Heisman consideration probably not likely but not impossible either and on the flip side of that with Brock Bowers first of all on the notion that Bowers thrives because that's who Bennett likes to throw to when Stetson Bennett was not the starting quarterback for Georgia and JT Daniels was against Clemson he also threw to Brock Bowers that day three times more than he threw to anybody else any quarterback that could play with Brock Bowers is going to throw to him more than anybody else on the roster because Brock Bowers is that good if you look at his stats a year ago it wasn't just record setting from a tight end standpoint or record setting from a Georgia standpoint it was basically as good as almost any receiver in the SEC. You'd still take Jamison Williams' numbers over his. You might take Traylon Burks, but I don't believe you're necessarily taking anybody else's production over what Brock Bowers gave you a year ago. And even though tight end, I should say the Heisman Trophy position is kind of thought of as this sort of quarterback's award and tight end can't do it, with Bowers putting up the numbers that he did, keeping in mind that just two seasons ago, a wide receiver won the Heisman Trophy. That, you know, this notion that, well, it's only quarterbacks that can do this. We've seen more unorthodox Heisman campaigns in recent years than than probably any time in recent memory before that. Now, obviously, Devontae Smith put up like Herculean numbers, and I don't expect Brock Bowers to necessarily do that. But but given the attention that Bowers got during his freshman season and given what when he's back healthy again, when he has a chance to do for the upcoming year, I don't completely rule it out either. So hear what I'm saying on this. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I think that Tom Fernelli is probably right, that guys like Jalen Carter and, and Brock Bowers are certainly long shots in a ward conversation like this. But when you look at recent precedent within the sport, Devontae Smith winning it, Aiden Hutchinson being a finalist, Jordan Davis getting plenty of attention, it's not impossible to think that either Carter or Bowers, or maybe even some combination of both, could emerge as a part of the Heisman conversation later on this season. We'll follow that, see how it goes. Now, for something completely different here for about 90 seconds or, or a couple of minutes, there was something that happened yesterday that got a lot of attention. And this is totally silly. And as I said before, as someone who kind of enjoys the talking season of college football, there is nothing more talking season than this. There is a University of Washington themed fan account that put out a poll on Twitter. Let me just show you the poll here at first, because this was the thing that got uh, a ton of attention from Georgia fans. So there's this guy that runs his Twitter account. It's not even a huge account. It doesn't have you know tons of followers or anything, but it's called Husky Football Opinions. And the question was, who has the better claim to go dogs? Is it Washington or is it Georgia? Now, 
this was probably news to a lot of Georgia fans that Washington even tries to claim the Go Dogs. But I was kind of aware of this because a couple of years ago, the Huskies actually wore Go Dogs on the on the side of their britches before a game. They they had the Go Dogs thing on their pants for a uh, football game. So that's kind of how I became aware of this. And apparently this is a thing with some Washington fans. And so the, the Husky guy puts it out there. Who has the better claim to go dogs, Washington or Georgia? And as some of you pointed out to me, and I'll show you the results here. Uh, one of our good friends on Twitter kind of shared this with me. Our buddy Jermaine King letting us know that after 10,000 votes in this poll had been cast, which I promise you is a lot of votes for a, an account like this, 90% of those surveyed take Georgia as the better go dogs over Washington. Now, there is a lot of this stuff in college football, right? There is, you know, there's two Death Valleys. There's Death Valley in Clemson. There's Death Valley in LSU. Not only do like Clemson and Auburn and Missouri and teams like that all have the same mascot, but they also all have the same, you know, that like that one sort of cartoonish old school tiger logo at various times, they've all used that same logo, which is kind of bizarre in its own right. There's like, there's two USC's there's South Carolina, there's Southern Cal there's, you know, uh, you know, almost anything that you want to mention here, there's another school that has something pretty similar. Auburn and Georgia play similar fight songs. Uh, you know, there's obviously another Bulldogs in the SEC. So two teams kind of claiming the same turf is not new. But this whole issue that somehow Washington is go dogs, I have to say that has always aggravated me. And I'm happy to see Georgia fans responding in such large numbers to say, no, the Huskies are not the dogs. To me, it's as simple as this. This is how Southern people talk like this is not how people in Seattle talk, including, you know, my uh, good buddy, Andy Bunker. I'll be on with the uh, folks in the uh, midday show, 92.9 The Game in Atlanta a little later on today. Andy's from uh, Seattle and Andy does not say dogs. Folks who like me grew up in Hall County, Georgia. We say dogs. That's why it started being spelled that way. D-A-W-G-S, because that is how we talk. So uh, this got a lot of attention from uh, some folks yesterday, and I have to admit it's always been kind of a thorn in my side, too. Now, in defense of the Twitter dude here, I sort of think he knew it was going to go this way, and I think he was just doing it as a joke. I still don't quite understand why he put it up there. I think he sort of knew he was going to get bombarded by UGA fans on this because that's just kind of the thing that UGA fans kind of do when they have a chance to uh, rally around a cause like that. But can we dispense with the notion that people in Seattle even talk that way? They don't say dogs. Uh, they say whatever it is they say. But down here, we say dogs. That's why it's spelled with the draw D-A-W-G-S. And if I had my way, that would be the official spelling of the word anyway. But uh, nice to see Georgia fans stepping up and making their cases the true go-dogs that exist in college football. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog, D-A-W-G, Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia. By the way, there is no Dog Nation Daily in Seattle. I can probably, I, that's one thing I'm fairly confident in saying. They may have a 12th man show up there. They may have something like that. The the Kraken, they, have, they think they have a Kraken, a daily podcast for the Kraken, their uh, uh, NHL team. But there is no Dog Nation Daily in Seattle. I feel pretty good about us saying that. But nonetheless, we are here for you each and every day and glad to be here. And a big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of George for making it all possible. 945, first and 15, dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 96 The Ref, podcast, Apple, Spotify, all the various podcast platforms. Just very happy to have you a part of what we're doing today. We also have a very busy show for you. Coming up in a moment, Connor Riley going to be on hand. Keith Marshall, special guest, George running back, coming up later on after that. And of course, all this made possible by our friends at ESOG here today. Engineered Solutions of Georgia, the ones you turn to. When it comes to foundation waterproofing issues, I was getting ready to do the show this morning, and there was a big storm uh, erupting outside. Big storms mean big rains, and big rains for many of you mean problems, means anxiety, because you see water creeping into your house. In a way, it's just not supposed to, whether it's your garage, your crawl space, obviously your basement. Some of you have flooded basements before. And listen, you know, you want to take steps to make sure that doesn't happen or take steps to repair what's been broken because that has happened. What's been damaged because of that. That's where engineered solutions of Georgia can step up. They can help waterproof your house, protect that. Also for foundation issues. You see those cracks in the wall. You see them in your foundation. You see examples of things that might be a little bit of a sign that things aren't great. And it's easy to want to put that off and not do anything about that. That's, as you know, a huge mistake. You want to reach out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Now, the reason why is because they are so good when it comes to stuff like this. They just know what's going on. They have two full-time engineers on staff, smart people who do good work for you. That is what they're uh, capable of doing. They also... Uh, 
uh, are proud partners of UGA. They're longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily. So it's always fun to do business with those that support us and those that support uh, UGA. And that is what Engineered Solutions of Georgia has been doing for a long time. You can also uh, reach out and get in touch with them very easily. Simply give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right. So uh, a couple of things going on here. As I told you before, it's Connor Riley coming up in just a moment. Really looking forward to that. Also a chance to talk to former Georgia running back Keith Marshall later on today there as well. Always a great chance to hear from a former dog on what he thinks of the current dogs. That's always valuable to us. We do that a lot around here. But Keith's also doing some great work with the Players Lounge right now, which is a really cool organization that's, I think, been really creative in terms of how it's creating NIL opportunities for players, but also creating access for fans to get in touch with the players that they obviously enjoy cheering for. And Keith's going to tell us about some special events coming up around G-Day that involve that. And we're going to make our own special announcement in regards to that ourselves today on the show here, too. So it's very busy for us. There's a lot of news announcement type things on the show today. So we're going to kind of get into all of that for you. Uh, But before we do any of that, it's Connor Riley coming up in just a moment. And as a lead into Connor, let me go around the doghouse here for a moment there as well, because I got to explain something to you just for a minute. So today we are live doing the show as we always do. However, we have a little bit of a scheduling issue for the rest of the week. Our typical producers are taking some vacation time, which I'm excited for them to be able to do. But because of that, we're going to need to step away ourselves. And that means we're pre-recording for for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The truth is this kind of works out okay for me because my kids are on uh, spring break. So getting a chance to spend a little time with them is always a good thing. I don't like being away from the show. Uh, but we're going to still have really good shows for you. The one thing that's going to be a little bit different is, is that we won't get to react to some of the stuff that comes out of UGA over the course of the next couple of days until Monday. So I want to give you a little bit of a homework assignment, uh, because this will be kind of my last time to speak to you live, you know, until Monday, we'll have pre-recorded shows Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But I want you to listen in closely to something that Kirby Smart says later on this evening. You'll be able to see this in the Dog Nation YouTube page when it comes out. One of the things we talked about yesterday was is that if there was a quarterback, whether it's Brock Vandegrift or Carson Beck, who is on the verge of making a big push to truly compete for some playing time and take away some game reps away from the presumed starter Stetson Bennett, who led Georgia to a national championship last season, that Smart likely would not keep that a secret. That if you want to go back and if you'll listen to yesterday's show, I gave you some precedent for this. Some of the stuff that Smart was saying about Jake Fromm when Fromm first arrived at UGA, acknowledging that he was more ready than the typical freshman is, acknowledging that he was pushing Jacob Eason, that he was competing for playing time. Smart gave voice to all of that, and we gave you examples of that yesterday. And so when Eason got hurt and Fromm stepped in, a lot of Georgia fans already had confidence in Jake there on that. And when Eason returned to health, but Fromm remained starting quarterback, we're left to assume that part of the reason that happened was is that Smart, as recently as the spring and summer of that year, was a believer in Jake's ability to to perform in the job if he were to be called upon. So if you want to fast forward down to 2022, what that means is that if a Stetson Bennett were to cede some ground to a Carson Beck or a Brock Vandegrift, there will probably be some things that Kirby Smart says that foreshadows the possibility of that happening. He will speak to either Beck or Vandegrift pushing Stetson Bennett. And to give you a little context of what we might hear from Kirby the rest of the spring, let me go back to last Thursday for a moment. Smart talking about Carson Beck, obviously very complimentary, but not quite the same vein, I would say, of what he said about previous quarterbacks in the past. Let me let you hear it, and then I'll explain why after this. This is Kirby from last week. Well, I think he has a really good composure. You know, Carson's never up, never down. I think that's a great quality on a quarterback. I've seen, you know, guys that are emotional and up and down like a roller coaster. He's pretty even kill. And to be honest, most of our quarterbacks are. There's no, uh, there's no guy out there that, that loses it one way or the other, but he, he does a good job being – very even killed and um, I think he understands the system you know he's uh, another year in the system so it comes natural to him he's not nervous about what the huddle call is what's my read what's the motion what's the shift he's very cool calm and collected and does a good job uh, of managing those things with the offense so I think he's he's earned some confidence and, and earned some confidence with the players So that's very complimentary from Smart. It sounds like Carson Beck is legitimately having a very good spring, and Smart says some really good things about him. However, if you want to kind of dive a little deeper into that, here's what I hear. 
I hear smart speaking complimentary of Beck in comparison to the older version of Beck from a year ago or maybe when he first arrived at UGA. I hear, in other words, smart talking about Beck's growth. Well, you don't quite hear there yet, and you haven't really heard this from Vandergriff yet either, but maybe you will, is speaking with these quarterbacks in comparison to other guys in that room. When Smart spoke about Fromm in 2017, more than happy to compare him to Jacob Eason, saying he's pushing Eason, he's competing for Eason, he's competing with Eason, he's making a move on him, he's coming up you know, from behind him or whatever it was uh, in, in the clip that we played for you yesterday, Smart you know, saying those types of things. So listen closely on that. If the subject of Beck comes up again today or if it comes up with Vandergriff or whatever else, listen for that kind of thing. Not just are Beck and Vandergriff getting better compared to the version of themselves that was, you know, present around this program a year ago or in Beck's case, two years ago. But in comparison to what's currently going on, in other words, if we are on the verge of an unorthodox thing happening, some sort of sea change where a quarterback is going to step in and actually get himself some playing time come the fall. Smart likely won't keep that a secret because in the past, that is not what he's done. So that is around the doghouse here for you on the program here today. As I said before, it's Keith Marshall later on, former Georgia running back. Always cool to have him. And in addition to an announcement I'm going to make with Keith, I'm also going to tell you one more time before we're done today about a really cool event we've got going on uh, a couple of weeks from now there as well. Uh, next week, I should say, uh, that's going to be uh, really fun, too. So this is a busy, busy day filled with really fun announcements of some really cool stuff that Dog Nation's got going on over the course of the next few days. Man, what an exciting time. Can't wait to tell you all about that. But before that, we've got some business to do. Spring practice ongoing, guys competing for playing time, guys trying to step up, trying to get a handle on what this 2022 team is going to look like. Let's cover all those bases right now. It's a Kroger fresh take. Let's speak to Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Kroger Fresh Take, Connor Riley here on our program. Always great to have him. And Connor pinched it for us a little bit yesterday. John Stinchcomb was on vacation, so we did a bunch of quarterback stuff with him yesterday, even though I was just discussing quarterbacks. I'm actually going to change the subject and kind of get into something else with Connor here for a moment. Connor, you heard me make a little bit of a brief case off the uh, top of the show there about a Jalen Carter or a Brock Bowers Heisman candidacy in kind of typical years it would have said seemed impossible for a defensive lineman or a tight end to get in the Heisman discussion but I don't know that we're in typical times anymore we had a defensive player become a finalist a year ago uh, and we had a wide receiver win the award a couple of years before that I truly believe that the, the Brock Bowers numbers are good enough I absolutely believe he could at least get Heisman consideration. If uh, Jalen Carter were to have a great individual season a year after the Georgia defense became even more famous by reputation because of how well it played, I think that Jalen Carter could be in maybe in more in line for something like that this year than maybe Jordan Davis proved to be a year ago. I'm not quite ready to tout one of these two guys for the award or you know start you know waving a big flag of candidacy here, but it's not impossible, I don't believe. I'm going to lean, it kind of is, at least for Jalen Carter. I, I actually maybe do see a world where Brock Bowers, if you told me he finishes with 1,200 yards, 14 touchdown catches, and is clearly the best offensive player on this Georgia team, maybe I can see a world where that when Georgia's in the college football playoff, I could see him finishing as a Heisman finalist. I don't necessarily know about winning the entire award because I think Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are going to put up very stupid numbers. But at the same point in time, I think back to last year, Will Anderson wasn't even a Heisman finalist, and he led the nation in sacks and tackles for loss and was his dominant offensive player, as I think I can remember in recent memory. Now you can say that Aiden Hutchinson maybe ate into his voting share a little bit there, but I still think from a wider Heisman standpoint, we're still very much focused. And I say we, the college football media, that doesn't really seem to pay attention to who the actual best players are, but just looks at who's putting up monster stats. That's how you see a guy like C.J. Stroud get a become a Heisman finalist, even though I think anyone who actually watched them play last season, not to discredit what Strad did. I, I don't know how you saw what Will Anderson did and say, oh yeah, CJ Strad is more deserving of a Heisman vote than Will Anderson. He suffered from the fact that his quarterback was on the way to winning the award. That was probably a classic example of truly just splitting the votes, correct? I think that's, that's kind of you, you, you yeah, I could factor, factor that in as well. well yeah. So I think you're right about Brock Bowers in that 
his Heisman candidacy to the extent that it could exist is almost all numbers based that if George is once again a title contender and if Brock Bowers has an even better statistical season this year than he had a year ago that he could propel himself in that conversation by just being George's most prolific player and I really don't foresee a situation barring injury where that once again isn't true Georgia may be better with the running game they may be slightly deeper to wide receiver position than this year they were a year ago just because some of those guys are a year older but I do expect Bowers to still have the best numbers and if the numbers are even better than they were and that becomes his case the fact that he's just putting up big numbers for a team that's you know on its way to, to maybe competing for a national championship again I guess I would though suggest that the Georgia defense got so much attention a year ago and I kind of jokingly said a moment ago that Jordan Davis walked so that Jalen Carter could run like doesn't Carter benefit from that steam maybe a little bit he would have to have big numbers and as you said before big numbers aren't always a guarantee because Anderson did have those it wasn't rewarded for that but um I mean to me if Hutchinson could do it then then why not Jalen Carter well, I mean, do, do you, you think, think that, that the Georgia defense is going to take a step back this year and, and not be statistically dominant as it was a season ago? I would say the answer to that question is probably yes, but in the in the midst of this conversation, I'm not quite so sure it matters quite so much because Georgia is kind of known as the defensive team. You know, people kind of whittle things down to like a gimmick or a shtick, and Georgia's shtick is the defensive shtick. So there are a lot of people that if you're just looking for some sort of, you know, Heisman if you're looking to sort of have the conversation it's almost like you could more easily do this for Georgia player than you could for other programs just simply because Georgia's just kind of more known for defense even if the defense isn't quite as good I'm not quite so sure the voters will quite know that uh, just simply because this is what Georgia's sort of known for now yeah, I, I still tend to think that because this Georgia defense is going to take a step back this year that's actually probably going to hurt Carter's candidacy, unless this defense is somehow, you know, 90 to 95% as good as it was a season ago. And I'll point out with Carter, you know, he's going to have to get to double digit sacks, something I don't think we've seen a player do from Kirby Smart, much less a defensive lineman. And so unless he is a true game wrecker, because again, you know, as great as numbers are, I can go back to Will Anderson a season ago who would have had my vote for their for the Heisman Trophy. I thought he was the best player in the country last season, and he could not even get an invite to New York. So I do still think that even if you are a dominant player on a dominant defense, you know, I could also point out that Kobe Dean a season ago didn't get a whole lot of Heisman love, but that again might be more towards splitting the vote. I, I just I'm going to find it hard to believe that a player like Jalen Carter, especially with how heavy Georgia rotates on the defensive line and how little snaps he might actually end up playing, are probably going to eat into his Heisman candidacy. Let me talk about that separate from the Heisman for a moment. Given who Carter, we believe, is as a player, given how the makeup of this year's team is a little bit different than it was a year ago, this is still a very deep team, but it's not like shockingly, you know, cartoonishly deep, maybe the way that it was last year. Do you think that somehow, some way, Trey Scott, Kirby Smart treat Jalen Carter a little differently this year? Do they do they put him more in a starring type role just because he does, at least in the eyes of you know someone like me who's not a scout, not a coach, he probably does stand head and shoulders above the other guys in this group a little bit more so this year. Do you think that leads to a little different treatment of him by the coaching staff? And does that lead to a higher threshold of statistical potential because he's just kind of in more of a starring role than the typical Georgia defensive guy has been? No, I'd be surprised by that. And even given that I, I do agree with you that he is a little bit of a different sort of defensive lineman that Georgia has had in years past. I think with what we've seen from Kirby Smart and the way he wants to run his defenses, he wants to run it to where the linebackers are the one making the plays more often than not. You've seen a Kobe Dean six sacks a season ago. And so because of that, even as dominant as I think Jalen Carter can potentially be, I still think they want to gear this success towards these linebackers, guys like Jamon Dumas Johnson, Shmel Munden, Trezor Marshall, provided they're healthy, being the guys that are the ones that are making the plays more often than not and not essentially relying on Jalen Carter to just try and win one-on-one or one-on-two matchups. Do one more thing on this, and maybe this is wish casting on my part, but I at least want to have this conversation for a moment. So you mentioned Bryce Young a moment ago, you know, kind of up there near the very top. He may be he obviously won the award a year ago. He may be the favorite uh, to win the Heisman again for this upcoming season. Certainly CJ Stroud's in that conversation there as well. But let me focus on Bryce here for a moment. And I am obviously very well aware just because something hasn't happened doesn't mean it's not going to happen. You know, doesn't guarantee anything. But Bryce does have a couple of interesting things going against him this year. Haven't had a back-to-back winner since Archie Griffith like a million years ago. That's only happened one time. Typically speaking, when you think about Heisman Trophy picks, 
the preseason favorites don't typically fare very well when it comes to actually winning the award. I mean, are we sure that you can rubber stamp Bryce Young for this upcoming season to have the same kind of season he had a year ago? Because history would suggest, eh, you know, maybe maybe not quite, you know, so much always there on that. And I don't know who that opens the door for. Maybe it opens the door for C.J. Stroud even more or, or something along those lines. But it's interesting to note that that a replica of what Young did a year ago is going to go against a couple of pretty significant trends. Guys who've won the trophy coming back trying to win it again and guys who start the year as kind of one of those odds on favorite to win the award. It hasn't always worked out for those guys in the past. Yeah, statistically based, I think Bryce Young's going to have a better season. I think he's going to make improvements working with Bill O'Brien for another year. You've seen that kind of continuity and how when Alabama has been able to have that on the offensive side of the ball what that means going forward. Having said all that, I think because of the narrative around him, the fact that he's essentially going to have to be God back there disguised as Bryce Young playing quarterback, I think it's going to make it difficult for a guy like Young. And I would even maybe say C.J. Stroud as well. Like, unless those two guys are perfect week in, week out, like we saw Joe Burrow back in 2019. And even with Burrow, uh, you know, he sort of came out of nowhere. And I think coming out of nowhere sort of plays into your benefactor here. You know, the national media didn't exactly know who Bryce Young was a season ago. And then he comes in and shows how great he is right away. I think that template is much more replicable for Heisman trophy success. than, as you point out, you know, you had a great season the year before in Young's case, you win it in Stroud's case, you were a Heisman finalist. That is a much harder recipe for success to follow. I'd probably say the last guy, there was an early preseason favorite to win the award was probably Marcus Mariota back in 2014. So I, it, it is a tough to road to hoe for those guys. Let me change the subject uh, more Georgia fully here for a moment. And I've said this now a couple of times. I think folks should go out of their way to look at the video that Georgia put out of the scrimmage on Saturday. I thought it was actually uh, pretty entertaining, you know, longer cuts than you sometimes get in some of those. A lot of times those ends up being kind of like sort of snappy jump cutty type stuff, or it's almost like a Marvel movie trailer it's sort of hard to tell what's going on uh but they give you a little gave you a little longer uh clips on some of this kind of stuff and i saw good moments for kenny mcintosh i said i saw good moments from kendall milton i also enjoyed kendall milton's press conference the other day when he spoke to reporters i'm pretty bullish right now on the georgia running back position for the upcoming year and when i look at those areas in which georgia can be better this year than a year ago I just kind of continue to gravitate towards running back as I don't know this group leads the SEC in rushing the way that it did in 2017, 2018, but moving back in that direction before you even get to the contribution of a guy like Dejon Edwards or incoming freshman like Branson Robinson, I think this is going to be a better version of the Georgia running game coupled with a better offensive line than maybe we've seen in either of the last two years. Yeah. I don't know if it's the running backs that I would necessarily put it on. I was always a big believer in Samir White's talent and, and as nice of a player as I think Kenny McIntosh is, I, James Cook is a better athlete and I think a more natural pass catcher. And so, you know, expecting them to be better from a, a, a talent standpoint, I don't think it's fair. I, I think if Georgia does have a more productive running game this year, it falls on the shoulders of the offensive line in particular because they probably have a more physical, bigger offensive line. If you're starting five offensive line is Broderick Jones, Xavier Trust, Cedric Von Prahn, Tate Ratledge, and Warren McClendon, that's just a beefier offensive line in general than what you had a season ago when you're playing Warren Erickson a lot, you're playing Justin Schaefer at guard, you're playing Jamari Sawyer at tackle there. That is just not the same level of beef and the same level of physicality on the offensive line there. So if Georgia does have a more productive running season this year, I think it's going to be more so because of the offensive line and the improvements made there than necessarily, oh, Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton are, are more talented or have a higher upside than, say, Zamir White and James Cook. I don't think there was anything wrong with the Cook talent. I don't think there was anything wrong with the Zamir White talent. I think they were just fine. I think, though, you're going to see the impact of year three of the Todd Munkin system on the running game right now, where all of a sudden you start to see the full fruits of what it means to have a defense in conflict, what it means when you really don't know what George is going to do in any given moment. When you are forced to defend against the possibility of everything, that's where you see the running game, I think, fully come into full form. Obviously, that wasn't true in 2019, the first year, uh, or I should say the last year prior to the Todd Munkin arrival. And in 2020, it was probably still not quite so true either. Last year, you started seeing some examples of that. When you compare a really potent rushing attack with a passing attack that now forces defenses to make a choice, I just think you're going to have the potential of seeing an even better version of the system that, that both Cook and White had some success in a year ago. I just think the entirety of the offense is likely to take another step forward in year three. If I had to make my assumption, that's what my assumption probably would be. 
Well, to that same point, I think a lot of that is going to depend on the health of this wide receiver room, because if this wide receiver room suffers the same sorts of injuries that it did a season ago and you're limited from a depth standpoint there, I do think it makes it easier to defend this rushing attack and what they might be able to do going forward. So, uh, well, yes, I, I again, and I like this isn't to discredit Kendall Milton or Kenny McIntosh. I like the talent there. Kendall Milton has really slimmed down. And, and, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, I still think there's a lot of talent there with him. But I think with this Georgia running attack and where it is and what we've seen from the past couple of seasons, it's not necessarily dependent on the running backs because I believe Georgia has pretty much for the entirety of Kirby Smart's time at Georgia always had really talented running backs. I think the success of Georgia's offense and Georgia's running game in particular is going to be predicated on how well the offensive line box and how healthy this wide receiver position is able to be that way that they can, as you point out, have a force defenses to be in conflict to where they don't feel comfortable just manning up on a younger wide receivers on the outside. I'm going to ask you one more question about the offensive line here in a moment to wrap things up. Let me remind folks first, though, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley and Kroger's helping step up right now for something we all need. More savings at the pump. Never been as expensive as it is right now, at least seemingly to fill up our vehicles and that's where kroger steps in to help you because when you spend money in store you're going to earn those fuel points for kroger you're going to earn a fuel point for every dollar you spend and you're going to have chances at twice the fuel points as well when you purchase gift cards and also during special weekends throughout the year there as well so stop by in store to find out more about this or check out kroger.com and find out how you can take full advantage of those great kroger fuel point savings taking place at your local kroger all right connor uh very quickly here to kind of uh, wrap this up maybe another example of something we just see happen to georgia quite a lot and it's just always kind of cool when it does and one of these days maybe I'll, uh, I'll 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 you know see this coming before it happens but you know when it comes to the offensive line i've been talking 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 about hey you gotta get tate rallage back healthy uh you gotta get a marius mims maybe moving him over to guard spot you gotta get your best five on the field and maybe one day that does end up being george's best five i guess we still got a long way to go before the season begins but there's an obvious theme to that Ratledge elite recruit let's get him back healthy again if you're Georgia uh, Mims former elite recruit you know you got to find a place where where he can go out there and play and yet quietly sometimes it's the not so heralded recruits who end up kind of making themselves a part of this conversation you know Devin Willick seems to be one of those guys that once again I didn't really give a whole lot of thought to when he's signed at Georgia the same way I didn't when Adonai Mitchell signed at Georgia and other names you might mention there and it just seems like one way or another Willick is a part of the conversation about what's going on right now and another example of Georgia just kind of either knowing what it's looking for or knowing how to find guys you know for a program that's made so much of its reputation around the elite recruits that it's that it's brought into the program some of the guys who were of a lesser stripe from a recruiting standpoint but very good on the field that's a part of this thing too and it seems like Willick is trying to make his case for maybe being one of those guys there as well. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people want to see Amarius Mims play because just related back to his five-star recruiting ranking. But we asked Kirby Smart last week, you know, how is the situation sort of shaping up at guard? And he went through five names to the position, and Amarius Mims was not one of them. And I think that's very telling in terms of where they expect him to be and where they expect him to play. And with Broderick Jones and Warren McClendon in front of him, I, I think it's going to be tough for Amarius Mims to get on the field. And for all the hand-wringing that might come for that, now, Warren McClendon is going to be a three-year starter at right tackle in the SEC and probably a preseason all-SEC player at that offensive tackle spot. Roger Jones was every bit as good of a recruit as Amarius Mims was and made real strides last season, and I think is very deserving of that left tackle spot he stands to take over there. So, you know, in trying to see him where you get him on the field, and I'll say this for Tate Rattledge, while he had as good a camp as any last year, and if he doesn't break his foot, I think he's absolutely penciled in and probably written in pen as a starter right now. Big guys with lower leg injuries. I talked with John Stinchcomb about this one time. You know, when you have a bone break in the lower part of your body where you're not as comfortable, you're not as confident pushing off there, it, it does take a little while to get over that. And Tate Ratledge is going to have to prove that, A, that he can stay healthy, but, B, get back to the player that he was a season ago. Because I, I think at the guard position with Xavier Trust, Devin Willick, Warren Erickson, you have veteran guys there and, and Trust and Willick. You have guys who are similar body size and bring, I think, a level of physicality that Tate does as well there. So this idea that Tate Ratledge is just going to simply walk into a starting spot because of his recruiting ranking and how he played pre-broken foot, I think is a little bit of a misnomer there. And I expect this guard competition to go well, even into the season potentially. And Georgia's going to be able to try 
and move around different combinations, whether it be trust and look at the two guards to give them two really monsters there in the middle, or you know, whether Micah Morris or Dylan Fairchild, who Kirby Smart also sort of took some time to praise how they continue to develop there. So, you know, I, I understand why people want to see Amarius Mims and Tate Rattledge potentially be your two offensive guards, but Quite frankly, I'd be pretty surprised if, you know, and I'm going to try and walk this back before I get too out in front of my skis here. I think this competition at guard, you have to trust the coaching staff here. You can't just look at pure recruiting rankings or pure recruiting numbers because we've seen time and time again with this position. Solomon Kinley was a multi-year starter at guard. Justin Schaefer was a multi-year starter at guard. Neither of those guys were highly touted recruits, but they were key pieces on strong offensive lines. And it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest to see either a Xavier Truss or Devin Woolick develop into the same thing connor great stuff thank you for being here as part of our kroger fresh take here today we'll look forward to being a lot more from you at dognation.com and uh chat with you again very soon on the program there as well Yep, as always, was a pleasure. This is SEC Through. All right, really fun to get a chance to talk to Connor there about a couple of interesting topics. Connor's also on the show on Monday, so we did some other stuff with him then. So we've had a lot of Connor Riley this week, and that's never a uh, bad thing. We have another special guest coming up in a couple of minutes there as well. We're going to talk to former Georgia running back Keith Marshall about the dogs, also about the work that he's doing with an organization called the Players' Lounge, which some of you are very well acquainted with. And they've got some big events coming up, and Keith will tell us about all of that here coming up in just a bit. Before that, though, Let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and the time is almost here. The dogs uh, are going to be doing G-Day, and then after that, we're going to be getting settled in to head on the high seas ourselves. The very first ever cruise with Dog Nation uh, on board Independence of the Seas, going to Nassau on the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay. It is going to be a wonderful experience, and maybe still a little bit of time it's last minute now i have to admit but maybe a little bit of time for you to be on board maybe if nothing else you'll just kind of live vicariously through us who get ready to enjoy that but dognation.com or uh, dognationcruise.com if you want to find out a little more details about it we're going to be having a great time enjoying all that is to be enjoyed with a royal caribbean cruise man i cannot wait for this it's going to be so much fun uh, I, I really am looking forward to just kind of kicking back relaxing looking back on spring practice enjoying the nfl draft that's going to be happening while we're on the ship uh, going to be really good time jeff's going to be there mike griffith's going to be there i'm going to be there we are going to have a really good time with all of that before i get keith marshall let me give you a couple of sec stories here today as well and i want to begin with this i enjoyed the game last night uh kansas north carolina that was thrilling i don't know how much of this is just you know we haven't had like real college basketball in the last couple of years no tournament at all in 2020 last year kind of a fanless event man it just really felt like this was a reminder of what i've always loved about college basketball rolling now into the masters here this week obviously a lot of excitement about that major league baseball opening day by the way more news on uh big dog nation uh f- some fun with dog nation the braves coming up we'll tell you about that before the show is done here today but in a lot of ways this just sort of feels like one of the best sports weeks of the year right it, it involves very little of college football but man for those of us who love college football what a great time to enjoy a few other sports like college basketball like the masters like major league baseball just a really fun time to be doing all of that and i hope you're having as much fun with it this week as i am some of you are lucky enough to be going to augusta which is really cool i wish i was you but uh whatever you're doing watching on tv or being there on the grounds or whatever else just a uh a fun time to be in, enjoying sports right now and i know a lot of folks excited about the return of major league baseball coming up in a few days there as well something else we have our eye on in addition to those other sports is what's going on with college football recruiting and i don't know if you're noticing this the way that i am but it's very interesting to me how the story of arch manning's recruitment's being covered at the moment manning just took another visit uh this past weekend he goes to alabama after having been at texas before that and as you know george before that and isn't it funny that if you follow some of the online stuff related to this it seems like that each one of these visits is bringing about kind of a sharp turn in terms of how the manning recruitment's being covered he goes to texas ah texas has locked this down and folks were like you know making their online predictions manning's going to texas manning's going to texas and then he visits alabama and suddenly there's this new flood of predictions no he's not going to texas he's going to alabama manning to alabama and you know some of the uh, websites that that chronicle these predictions you see you know alabama now has taken the lead and we kind of predicted this that manning because of his famous last name was going to bring more mainstream attention into, into the recruiting story and because there's more mainstream attention on this the way in which the story gets covered would probably be a little bit different i think for those of us who kind of follow this on a more regular basis i think we know that 
things typically don't change quite so much on the basis of just one unofficial visit. Now, that's probably true that Manning may not take very many official visits. He may, has been reported in some places, that he may only take the official visit to the school that he ultimately commits to. But in terms of this being this wild roller coaster of when he's at Georgia, man, Georgia's the place he's going to be. And when he's at Texas, man, that's the place he's going to be. And then when he's at Alabama, no, it's actually Alabama. That's the place that he's ultimately going to go. I think that's more reflective of how the story is being covered than the actual facts with the story. If you get my drift on that, I think for now it's too early to know where Arch is going to end up. I do think the three schools I just mentioned are probably heavily involved in it. Uh, Maybe the Alabama visit did make them even more of a player than they were before. But I think this is being portrayed as a wild series of twists and turns. I'm not quite so sure that accurately reflects the way in which a football savvy family like the Mannings is probably going about this. One of the schools that's also been believed to be connected to Manning, at least eventually getting a deeper connection, is going to be LSU. And I saw an interesting quote from Brian Kelly that I wanted to share with you. And I'll admit this is probably a little bit unfair, but it kind of plays into type for what I think about uh, Kelly a bit. He was asked about how the evolution is going with the LSU players and coaches and how they're getting comfortable with him. And he says, I think what they've done more than anything else is embraced my philosophy, says. That was part of the hiring process. We got a lot of coaches that are familiar with what I've done. And so that's been from a leadership standpoint, I think, uh, been easier because the coaches have had a sense of familiarity. And listen, this is totally unfair. And I'm projecting something into Kelly that may not be there. But when you think about Kelly, you do think about ego a little bit. Right. And it's important to remember that the last three coaches at LSU prior to him have all won national championships, that it's not about what Kelly can do. It's about what the program itself can do. For instance, take a guy like Ed Orgeron, who. I don't think people think of as necessarily a great coach, but did have great success, won a national title in 2019. And I think if you look at the Orgeron personality, I don't know that he thought he was great, but I do think he believed LSU was great. And he leaned into that, his love for the program, to help win the title. Obviously, most coaches at LSU typically do well. But if Kelly comes in here with kind of a me-first ego, that could set him back. And that could be his own barrier to the kind of success that previous LSU coaches have kind of enjoyed. Maybe a little unfair to read too much into a clip and a quote. I'll certainly acknowledge that. But how Kelly is going to fit in an LSU, I do think, remains one of the most interesting storylines for the upcoming season. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And now here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, we'll get ready to welcome in a great former Georgia running back and a uh, terrific, terrific uh, figure in the program's history, and now a guy who's doing some really cool things with our friends at the Players' Lounge as well. It is Keith Marshall here on our program today. Keith, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. Certainly appreciate that and hope you're doing well. Good morning, good morning. I'm doing great this morning. I want to appreciate uh, you know you guys for having me on. So the Players' Lounge got some really fun things going on as we head towards G-Day and has had some really cool things going on now for quite some time. I want to find out more about that here in a moment. We talked to Aaron Murray about some of that last week there as well. But before we get into that, Keith, I do have to find out from you. You know, you saw the dogs hoist that national championship trophy uh, last season. It's been a long time coming. A lot of players who came through this program know how hard this program has worked to be in the position to win that national title. And now it has finally happened. As a former player turned fan of this program, how good did it feel for you to see UGA uh, bring it home uh, this past season? It was amazing, man. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's been a long time coming. Uh, You know, I think me and a lot of the boys that I came through with, obviously we had a moderate amount of success and we felt like we were close at times. So, um, you know, this championship in a way felt like we won. Um, And, 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 you know, as I said, we've been so close for so long. We've had the talent. uh, We've had so many heartbreaks, particularly to Alabama. So to finally, uh, you know, bridge that gap and to do it by beating Alabama, who beat us in SEC championship kind of as an underdog and to come back in the national championship and get it done. um, It was really an amazing, amazing event. man. I'm excited for the program and what it means for us. And now to see if we can carry that forward and really develop into what I believe to be, you know, we have the ability to be a mainstay in college football. And so I'm excited to see that happen. And obviously carrying success forward means making sense about the current landscape of the sport and one of the big new things on the horizon for George and everybody else, name, image, likeness opportunities for players and fans who want to take advantage of that stuff as well and help support the players they love, maybe even get more access to those players through all of that there as well. And an organization that you work with is a big part of that there as well with the Players Lounge. And I think this is really cool because, as said before, for a lot of players on the George roster and across college football there as well, they're getting a chance to, to make some money through their connection with the Players Lounge. And for a lot of fans themselves, they're getting a chance to interact with some of these players online or in some cases in person there as well and create those 
opportunities there too. You know, Keith, from your perspective, what's it been like working with the Players Lounge? And for folks who are still kind of trying to make sense of how an organization, a company like this, steps up to serve both fans and players right now, what can you tell our audience to help them kind of understand the mission of the Players Lounge a little bit better? Absolutely. So I guess to back up a little bit, you know, when I was in college, obviously we didn't have the opportunity to get paid. And I was on a few of the different boards that were pushing forward different initiatives to get college athletes access to more benefits, such as, you know, uh, increased stipend so you can go out and enjoy yourself and things like that. And I think we've all heard stories of guys that, you know, had families back at home that needed the support or, you know, contrarily, we've heard stories of guys that were big time college athletes and then got hurt and never had a chance to cash in on um, the success that they that they were able to accomplish on the field. So um, the fact that I was a part of those conversations back when I was in college and now I'm in a position uh, where I co-founded a company that's really, you know, it, it's, it's really, uh, I would say we're a pioneer in defining yeah. what this new landscape is going to look like. Um, as you mentioned, you know, our model is basically taking the legacy model of fan and player engagement where they go through a third-party media house and now it's like, okay, these kids can get paid. Um, the fans want inside access anyway, so we just want to have a platform that allows uh, fans and athletes to communicate in a way that allows these athletes ways to monetize and develop their brands in a way that's authentic to them. And so, um, again, to be at the forefront of that movement has really, really been awesome. We've got a great team of guys. We've had a moderate amount of success so far. Um, obviously, we had to start at Georgia being home base, yeah. you know, being where we, we all come from and love so much, and we're excited to kind of expand this thing outwards. I think one of the cool things about learning more about this is, as you said, it's not just a chance for players to make some money, which is something that, as a former player, I, I know is uh, near and dear to your heart, but for fans who always want that deeper connection or to feel a little closer to the to the product, you know, the access granted to fans throughout all of this and the NFT tokens, for instance, that uh, the Players Lounge has sold and the access that kind of comes along with that. That's been one of the cool things for me is to see how some of the work that you guys have done here has opened the door for fans to get a little closer connection to the players they enjoy cheering for. Absolutely. So, I mean, to start us off, you know, in our message board on Discord, which, you know, everybody listening, you should go join. We have a bunch of former players and current players who are in there on a daily basis communicating with these fans that follow the program ever so closely. Um, and then obviously on the fan side, you know, when you purchase the NFT, you know, NFT is a bit of a, uh, you know, a cryptic term. A lot of people don't totally understand what it means. Sure. But, you know, the way that we have marketed that is just to explain it as it's a ticket or it's your subscription to join the community. And when you do so, uh, you know, first and foremost, you get direct and immediate access to the players. You get access to content that's going to be curated and produced and only be available to people within that community. Um, then you get access to some of the real live events, um, which we are launching uh, next weekend at G-Day. So uh, we're super excited about that. We have a tailgate on um, the day of the morning of G-Day. That's going to be awesome. We're expecting a lot of uh, the DGD mafia to come out. We're expecting go. a lot of our uh, you know, former players will come out. We have the golf tournament the day before, which is going to be an awesome opportunity. We're going to support some local nonprofits there. Um, and then we're going to take it Friday night and we're going to get Silver Dollar, which is one of everybody's favorite hangout spots if you went to school in Athens. Yeah. So we're super excited about everything that we're doing. Right, I want to find out more about the big G-Day weekend coming up uh, before we let you go. Let me squeeze in one more thing before we get there, though. We said before your position, obviously running back, and you know what it means to be, uh, you know, the the challenge of playing the SEC and what that's all about. And so when you look at this group of running backs for Georgia here this year, we were actually talking about this before you joined us, you know, uh, a chance for Kendall Milton to have a little bit more of a spotlight on him this year. Kenny McIntosh to continue some of the things that he's shown in Georgia uniform. There are guys like Dejon Edwards who've been waiting the wings for bigger opportunity. Freshman players like Branson Robinson kind of stepping into what could be a pretty interesting role. When you look at what Georgia kind of has at running back for the upcoming season, what do you see from this group and the kind of potential they might have to 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 really help get Georgia where it wants to go here in 2022? Well, I mean, everybody knows, you know, Georgia's known for having dominant running backs. That's kind of one of our uh, one of our things that we push out. And so I think we certainly have the talent in the room. I'm super excited to see what Milton's going to be able to do. When you look at him from just a, you know, physical capability, he has everything that you want in a running back. He's big, fast, strong, runs through tackles, has good balance. So super excited for him to get in a position where he can showcase a little bit of that, get more touches. Um, and then a guy that I think has been extremely underrated, I think he kind of feels that niche of the third down, do it all. You can put him out wide. It's Kenny McIntosh. I mean, he's, he's smooth as butter. Um, he's probably the most natural runner I've seen in Georgia in a while. And that's saying a lot because we've got a lot of really good running backs. And so I think those two guys have an opportunity to really establish themselves and make a name for themselves. And then obviously you mentioned some of the other guys that are waiting in the, waiting in the rings. I'm super excited to see what Robinson is going to do. Um, you know, he got a lot of high praise, high comparisons, some names. I'm not going to put that on him at, at this age, but I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to the table. 
Keith, I think that's a terrific analysis. Let me remind folks, as we said before, going into the G-Day weekend, you got the big event on Friday, you got the golf tournament, the event at Silver Dollar, and some really cool stuff coming up on uh, Saturday there as well at Creature Comforts. Remind folks again, all the fun stuff going on there when it comes to the uh, G-Day weekend. Uh, give us a little bit of a reminder about all the great stuff the Players Lounge has going on. Absolutely. So as again, you know, the people that purchased our DGD Mafia NFTs, they get access to these events. And the first event will be on Friday night. We're going to have a golf tournament um, where we're having, you know, holders play with former players. So that'll be an awesome opportunity for fans to get interact with some of the players past. Um, then that night, we're going to go to Silver Dollar. We're going to have a hangout there. And that's really targeted at, you know, anybody that wants to come that's in town. But obviously, you know, Greek life and the students that are super supportive of the program and are excited about the Players Lounge. And then we'll move into Saturday morning, which we'll have the, the tailgate at Creature Conference, which is open to everybody. Obviously, we'll have some special perks that are, they go to the DGD Mafia. And we're expecting to have a lot of uh, a lot of former players there as well. So we're really excited about it. Um, if you're looking for more information and figuring out how you can get involved, you can hit us up on our website. It is theplayerslounge.io or you can follow us on our socials which is just TH Players Lounge or the DGD Mafia and so if you want more information on those events and figure out how you can attend uh, you know check us out there Keith I'm also happy to announce that Dog Nation going to be broadcasting live from the Creature Comforts event there on Saturday prior to G-Day so for the folks who can't be in Athens to see it in person we're going to bring a taste of the Players Lounge to the folks on our own channels there that day getting a chance to speak to some of the great former Georgia dogs in the room there live from Creature Comforts on Saturday that's a place that we love anyway and of course g-day a great time to be in athens and so dog nation going to be broadcasting a video live with the players lounge before uh g-day on that particular saturday so keith on behalf of everybody at dog nation i can't tell you how excited we are to be a part of some of the cool things that y'all are going to be doing there that weekend absolutely man and we appreciate your support and the support from the greater georgia community so far you know i think we couldn't have done this project pulled it off without the support of organizations such as you guys and uh, you know, we're really thankful for that and looking forward to making sure that we deliver on kind of the value proposition that we've publicly, uh, you know, marketed. So, Well, Keith, I'll tell you this. We love to see former dogs go on to do great things, and that's obviously what you're doing right now. So congratulations. Your success, continued success there as well. I'm looking forward to seeing you on G-Day weekend. And as you said, I'll invite folks to check it out on social at TH Players Lounge on social media or theplayerslounge.io. Uh, that's the website, theplayerslounge.io. Find out more about the cool things that are going on both for G-Day weekend and everything else there as well thanks for your time and we'll look forward to getting a chance to speak to you soon absolutely thank you and as always go dogs man yes sir good stuff there from uh, keith marshall so to give you an idea about this we are going to be live there that day we'll do kroger kickoff on saturday of g-day that's april 16th from creature comforts facility uh their their great facility there in downtown hanging out with keith marshall champ bailey's going to be there a lot of former dogs going to be on hand uh there at the creature comforts event on that saturday so i'm really excited about being able to do all of that leading into G Day, and I just uh, I love to see a guy like Keith Marshall having the success that he's having. We had Aaron Murray on last week on the same topic, uh, doing great things there as well. It's 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 a very cool thing to be able to see, and uh, congratulations to them, and looking forward to being a part of that uh, with Dog Nation here uh, coming up in uh, just a uh, little bit there as well. Also. While on this on the subject of making big announcements, I told you this was a kind of a big day of all that kind of stuff. Don't forget something else that's going to be happening next week there as well. Leading into G-Day week, as we said before, it's also the start of the Major League Baseball season. That means some really big stuff going on with the Atlanta Braves there as well. Now, April 7th through the 13th is going to be a great week for the Braves. They're kind of celebrating what they're calling Champions Week, which obviously for the Braves, World Series champions getting back there on the field, that's always a really fun thing. But in addition to that, also going to be celebrating with UGA there as well. So you've got a, you've got a homestand coming up with against the Reds, against the Washington Nationals. But on April 13th, it's a day game, 1220 uh, start there for that. You're going to have both trophies on hand the braves trophy and the uh, georgia national championship trophy so the world series trophy and the braves trophy on hand at the uh, same time and so if you've got a ticket to the game there that day from 10 a.m until noon you can actually get your picture taken with both trophies what an unbelievable photo op that's going to be for those of us like myself who grew up big georgia fans big braves fans to think that both trophies are in the same state at the same time because of these two great teams it's just a really fun thing in fact in honor of all of this on april 13th there for the uh, big day we are going to do dog nation daily that day live from sport and social which is a great uh, bar restaurant right there in the battery atlanta so we're going to be there for that uh, with both those trophies and just celebrating the return of major league baseball but also the presence of both those championship trophies the world series trophy and the national 
national championship trophy in the same place at the same time so buy your ticket come see me there that day at sport and social doing the show get your picture taken with both those great trophies and enjoy the return of major league baseball champions week against the reds against the washington nationals a whole lot of fun let me give you the website one more time it's braves.com slash champions week that's braves.com slash champions week uh what a great thing i mean so much good stuff going on right now great stuff going on for g-day uh braves are back you got masters this week i mean you just couldn't get any better than that so i can't wait to see you april 13th from the battery atlanta i'll be at sport and social braves are back both trophies there the same day the same time games at 12 20 get your ticket get your picture taken with both those trophies man that is going to be a good time can't wait to see you there for that so that's coming up on april 13th so we just got so much stuff coming up in the days to come this is the last live show we are doing for this week. We'll have a very good uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday edition of our show, but they will be pre-recorded. Now, we're pre-recording them today, so they're not going to be like crazy dated. It's not going to be, you know, uh, one of those things where it's dusty and old. It's going to be, you know, fresh new content, things you haven't heard before. But uh, a couple of, you know, scheduling uh, challenges make it necessary for us to do that so heads up on all of that but we will see you for some really good shows uh, the next couple of days about the only thing that will be really truly different so we just won't have live comments during the broadcast but with that said let's transition now to our golden shoe and speaking of championships a lot of folks with uh, UGA ties enjoying some championship celebrations right now, including former dog Leonard Floyd, who is a Super Bowl champion with the L.A. Rams and was on hand at WrestleMania um, over the weekend. He had a championship belt made, or they gave him one, the uh, Rams. See the Rams logo on the uh, WWE belt there, and he brought that with him to Dallas. And a lot of those guys were talking trash to those Cowboys fans in attendance there. It was really fun to see. So Leonard Floyd living his best life there at WrestleMania. Shout out to him. We'll make him a golden shoe winner for today. And remember, Mind you, lousy, stinking Gators, no championships to celebrate there. In fact, it's been 4,835 days since those lousy, stinking Gators have won a national championship in football. Long title drought. And they've got another loss coming to UGA just 207 days from right now. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, I'm now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. You guys know I love taking your comments as a part of our cool down, but our pre-recording schedule for the next couple of days is going to prevent me from being able to do that. So I wanted to come in here and give you a shout out to say we'll be back to a normal podcast cool down format again on Monday, but I think you will enjoy the shows for the next couple of days. At least I hope you do. Always enjoy hearing your feedback on all of that. So enjoy everything for the next couple of days. Stay close to Dog Nation, and I'll see you back here for comments after the show on Monday, but also editions of our program the next three days in between now and then there as well. So thanks for always supporting our podcast. Hope you're having a enjoyable spring, and we will chat again very soon.